Welcome to It's Time on CSN International, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode, we'll be listening to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of Mark. Each of the four Gospels has a different approach and different audience targeted by the Holy Spirit. The book of Mark is a fast-paced, action-packed tome focused on Christ's role as a servant. By studying the examples of Christ in the book of Mark, we can learn a great deal about what our life as Christians should look like and the heart of Christ. With our study on Mark, here's Pastor Mike. Now, Mark wasn't actually a disciple of Jesus. We know that John and Matthew were. Mark was probably a young boy that probably firsthand got to see many of the things that are recorded here. Luke, of course, was a doctor, and so he wrote those things to inform those readers of, of the things that happened to Jesus. So we actually have Mark's vantage point here, which is kind of unique, and so we'll be looking at that today, chapter 5. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for today. Lord, truly, who do we have to fear? God, when you're on our side, we know that you will see us through and you will accomplish the work that you have purposed for our lives. And so, God, we thank you, Lord, no matter what weapon is formed against us, God, we know that you're going to see us through. And so, Lord, we thank you for this and we ask you now that you just bless this time together as we read. Lord, cause us to remember these things as well in Jesus' name. Amen. We remember that Jesus got into a boat, went on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. We remember a great storm came up. And uh, to try to, I believe, to stop Jesus from doing about what he was going to do. When he got to the other side of the lake, we remember, there was a fellow that was demon-possessed there. Now, the storm that came up, the disciples thought they were going to die. And uh, I always uh, look at this as whatever it is that God's got you doing, there's always going to be a storm or something coming up to try to stop you from doing what God wants you to do. Well, we remember Jesus went to the other side, delivered the man from the demons. We remember the people from the city came out and said, go away from here. They were angry because we remember the demons went into the pigs. Pigs ran off the side of the cliff and um, killed themselves. And so therefore, uh, there was uh, uh, quite an outcry against Jesus. So Jesus got into the boat. And this is where we pick up the story this morning. Now, real quick, before we, before we look at this, I just want you to know that part of your Christian experience... You're going to be the fragrance of life to some, and you're going to be the stench of death to others. (laughs) And you're not going to be everything to all people all the time. You just can't be because, again, depending on the posture of a person's heart, if they want to see God do something unique and new in their life, well, they're going to respond uh, to Christ. On the other hand, if they uh, think they're God, they're going to not only reject Jesus, but they're going to reject you, the message bearer as well. And so, um, but you know what? I look at this in Jesus's life. We remember, of course, the the demon-possessed man who was now in his right mind. He was in love with Jesus. He wanted to go with Jesus wherever he went. But Jesus said, no, you stay here and you be a minister because there's a living testimony of the power of God. And so he left him there in the Gadarenes and Jesus then crossed over on the other side of the lake. Now notice, as we look at this in verse 21 of Mark 5, he says... Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And Jesus was unhappy because of the last experience, and so he said, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going home. (laughs) If your Bible says that, let me see it. I want to No, I'm kidding you. You know, a lot of times that's the way it is, isn't it? 
We had, we've shared our faith with somebody or we did something for the Lord and somebody's rejected us and our feelings got hurt. Well, I'm never going to go to church again. I, I, you know, and we, this is sometimes the way we are. We, we think that everybody is the same. Listen, friends, um, as, as you remember, uh, even Jesus and the disciples had Judas Iscariot. That's one in 12. Now, if you think again, the number of people that you contact in your life, that you influence in your life, you're going to have people, some around you, that again, don't like what you have to say. And you cannot focus upon those that don't like what you have to say. You must continually focus upon what God wants you to do and those that do. Because again, you can get your feelings, or well, I went to church and and that person really snubbed me. And I'm not going back. Well, what about the other four or 500 people that were there? Did did they object to you? Did did they uh, reject you or whatever? No, you you cannot look at one person. Uh, You have to treat, and this, by the way, saints is the way God deals with this as well. God doesn't look and say, oh, that person sinned. All people are sinners. Bye, I'm going to fry them all. No. Aren't you glad God doesn't do that? You know, isn't it interesting when they were crucifying Jesus that that, um, uh, he looked past what they were doing and saw the redemption for the, for the humanity of man. And, and I, I look at this, or the, the masses, we might say, of people. Not those that were maybe being mean to him at that moment, but those that were, that were kind to him. And so I know this sounds kind of elementary, but you know, a lot of people sometimes in church uh, are offended by a church when it's not the church. It's, it's maybe one or two people in a church. And, and again, when you get a group of people together, friends, I guarantee you, even in your own home... <laughs> You've got maybe, if you've got a family, maybe a couple of kids and you and your wife and, and one of your kids, if any, you know, oh, I'm not coming. Well, some people do, but they, <laughs> I'm not going back there. No, you, you know, really, you continue to work with it. And, and so, again, Jesus did not give up when he went. Notice again, we'll read it right this time. He got in the boat and uh, ordered his disciples to go to the other side of the lake. And, and while he was there, the Bible tells us that a uh, great multitude followed him. Um, and behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came Jarius by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. And so uh, it says that Jesus, when he got out of the boat, Immediately back to ministry again, friends. Again, there's no really respite that we have. Uh, we like to sometimes just say, well, I, I just want to take my breather now. You know what? Jesus didn't have a breather. And I venture to say, if you know the word of God and, and, and you know God loves you, you're not going to get one either. And so again, don't focus upon those that don't like what you have to do. You focus upon those who need you and need the Lord. Because again, this is what Jesus did. Otherwise, you're going to get your feelings hurt. You're going to get mad at people. You'll become embittered and sour. And you'll be, un- you'll be rendered useless in the kingdom of God. Now again, it is impossible that as you give, that you don't receive back as well. So remember, when you close yourself off to other people, you're closing their input off into your life as well. See, it's not always just one give, 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 give. Remember, it's Jesus as we give, God gives back to us. Now, he uh, is on his way now with Jairus, this ruler of the synagogue. His little daughter is at the point of death. In fact, as we read on here in a few more verses, we're going to find out that she was dead. She, got, uh, she died by the, time the message, uh, by the time Jesus got there. But as Jesus is walking along, there was a certain woman, verse 25, who had a flow of blood for 12 years. And had suffered many things from many physicians. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, let's read this again. And it suffered many things from many physicians. Um, I remember there was. Uh, I remember there was a friend of mine. He went somewhere to get his allergies fixed. It was somewhere around here. I don't know where it was. It was not in Twin Falls, but it was someplace. Anyway, um, uh, he, my friend has kind of a, a goofy sense of humor. But anyway, he was trying to get over, you know, being allergic to the pollens and everything. And he went to some doctor who put two, they look like silver Q-tips up his nose with wires going to it. And they, they were going to zap the little whatever it was. And I remember his wife came to me and said it was the funniest thing because he's got these two things hanging out of his nose. He's laying there on this, on this thing and he rolls over and he looks at her and says, kiss me, you fool. You know, he's got these things hanging out of his nose. But he said when he turned it on, he said he just saw stars. He said he didn't care about his hay fever anymore. It cured him of that. He said he, said he had another headache. But, but you know what's interesting is that, you know, sometimes the cure is worse than the ailment. And this is what happened to this poor lady. And back then, with medicine not as advanced at all as it is today, oh, one could only wonder what this poor woman could have gone through. It said she had suffered many things from many physicians, and she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew the worse. On all the things that she did, that she tried to do to get well, she only got worse. You know, friends, again, there is healing in Jesus. And friends, I just want you to, to be, remind you of that, that, you know, God has a way supernaturally of healing us. Amen? We have a brother here, he fell off a scaffold up in Sun Valley, and, and uh, they didn't expect him to live. God healed him and, and restored him. And so I, I look at that, and many of the other people in our congregation here have been touched and healed by God. You know, doctors can only do so much, and then the rest is in the hands of God. And friends, again, I don't think it's wrong to go to a doctor if you've got an ailment, but certainly I want to encourage you always to pray first to see what God might do. Or give that doctor wisdom in how to correct or how to heal. Because sometimes, again, they call it a practice. And you know why they call it a practice? They ain't got it perfect yet. they still working. And you know what? You be the guinea pig. <laughs> you know, They're learning on you. They're practicing on you. Now, now, again, thank God for doctors, and we have doctors in our fellowship, and I'm really grateful for them. But you know, again, any doctor will tell you they can only do so much, and the rest God has to either reveal or directly heal or divinely work in some supernatural way to bring about a restoration. Well, this woman who had been sick for 12 years, what the doctors had did to her and bankrupted her financially, and she was no better. In fact, she said that she was the worst. And so when she had heard about Jesus... She came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I could only touch his clothes, I would be made well. Now, this is amazing because, again, she was endeavoring to get to Jesus. And she thought to herself, if I could just touch his clothes, I could be made hell. Now, now, now some of it says the hem of his garment, whatever. But, but the idea is that she would touch his clothes. Now, people say, is there something magic about touching clothes? Depends if you're a lady in a mall. But anyway... But what this was about was that Jesus, as he was going along, it was a point of contact for her faith. Now, friends, I, I, I believe that that's a great, there's something that initiates faith and a place where what we believe becomes reality. 
And for her, in that touching the hem of his garment, that became a point of uh, contact for her faith. Now, um, it's nice sometimes that we can just believe in our heart and God does it. And for others that maybe do not have that kind of faith, they need something that sometimes encourages them to do that. Now, I believe that can come in many different ways. We remember that they took a handkerchief from some of the apostles and, and passed it around. It was a point of contact for them to believe. Was there anything magic in the... No, there was nothing magic in the handkerchief. But it was a point of contact for their faith. Now, you say, well, what does that mean to us? I think a lot of times when you offer to pray for somebody when they're sick... It's a point of contact for their faith. Sometimes coming to church on Sunday morning, it's a point of contact for the faith. Maybe coming down in front and being prayed for, it's a point of contact for their faith. It's a place where the faith becomes reality. And friends, we need that sometimes in our life where we say, okay, God, show me. And sometimes, again, friends, it's interesting how God does that. This woman in her mind, her thought pattern said, if I could only touch his garments, I would be made, made, made well. Well, notice what it says. Immediately, verse 29, the fountain of blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Now again, this woman probably was very anemic because of of bleeding all the time. And she knew that something had changed in her the minute that she touched the hem of his garment. And Jesus, immediately knowing himself that the power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Now, friends, this is really incredible because this tells me something more about Jesus' heart and personality and care for each one of us than maybe just to exist every day. Notice the disciples. The disciples said to him, You see the multitude pushing against you and you say, Who touched me? Whoa. But see, the thing is, Friends, there's a spiritual side of life that the disciples did not have any contact with. Jesus knew that there had something had changed. Somebody had touched him for a reason. And when I look at this, I realize something, that God knows what you need when you call upon him and you reach out to touch him. And, and, and to me, friends, that's a wonderful thing to know, that God knows you and me. And do you know you're unique? As it, just as every one of us in this room looks different. God has each one of us in different needs in our lives. And you know something? It doesn't weigh God down for us to go to him and have him help us. That's why when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he said, when you pray, pray like this, our father, which art in heaven. If you call him your father, then that would mean we're his children. And something, moms and dads, I don't know if you've noticed this, but children are always in need. They need their face washed. They need to be fed. They need to make sure that they have the right shoe on the right foot and the left shoe on the left foot. They need to be maintained. They need to be put to bed at night. They need to be ordered to go take a nap. Now, as we get older in our lives, where's our mother to remind us to go take our afternoon nap? This is something I've just wondered about of late. Remember when your mom used to come in and make you take a nap and we used to fight with her? And, and the thing is, I think, that was a great idea. Why doesn't somebody, you know, somebody call you on the phone and say, it's time for your afternoon nap. Thank you for reminding me. You know, so you, you look at those things. But we're always in need. And, and, and again, uh, because God knows that we're creatures of need, and by the way, friends, without, and this is, I, I, this I'm sincere here. 
If you're not a Christian here today, my heart goes out to you because I don't know who meets your needs if Jesus doesn't. You must be trying to do it yourself or looking to your friends or, or, or maybe something else to somehow uh, uh, hit that spot that solves those issues of your life. But see, in Christ Jesus, God, the Bible says, meets our needs. And, and it doesn't burden God down at all for us to ask Him. A lot of people say, well, I don't want to go to God and ask Him for things as I, I weigh God down. Oh, God's so weighed down by our problem. I don't think so. In fact, when we go to Him, we're saying, you're my daddy, fix this. And, and, and again, it's God's good pleasure to minister to your need. Now, not all my wants are what God gives me, as we all know. And you've done that as well. You prayed and, and God says no. And we sometimes want to get our nose in a knot and say, well, God, you didn't give me what I wanted. I'm going to go out and look for something else here. But you know what? Just as children, we can ask for things that will destroy our lives. You know, uh, again, if there's certain things that you've had in your life... You would forget God. If, in other words, if you had maybe an example, all the money you needed or everything, we wouldn't even pray anymore. Have you ever realized that when the more in need you are, the more prayerful you become? When your washing machine barely does another load, oh God, let it do another load. Oh, please God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, I mean, it does one more load. You know, God, let it start. Let it start, God, please. Yes. And we get blessed with money. We buy a new washing machine. We buy a new car. We don't pray about those things anymore. And pretty soon, systematically, we can go through and eliminate anything that we once ever prayed about because we've substituted it with, again, sometimes the worldly way of ministering to those needs. And the relationship that we have with our Lord kind of goes by the wayside because it's not only just those things we pray about, but then we start praying about our own attitudes and our own thought patterns and, and, the, and, and the needs in the lives of others. And, and what happens is we become out of touch with God. And this is why I believe Jesus said, how hard is it for the rich to go into heaven? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. The reason why isn't God isn't that he doesn't love rich people. It's that rich people don't pray. And that's the bottom line. Now again, if you have money, remember this. Pray. And always stay in tune with what God wants you to do so that you don't become one of the people who have just substituted money for a prayer life. You know, it's a very important part of our, our Christian experience is, is to do that. Well, this woman was a woman in need, and she went to Jesus, and, and she said, well, if I can only have that point of contact, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, I would be healed. And when she touched Jesus, Jesus knew that he had been touched for a reason. Not just pushed along in the crowd, but that she was touching him for a specific reason, and Jesus knew it. And friends, let me tell you something. In a crowd of people, Jesus still knows exactly what you need. Well, this woman, Jesus said, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And when he said to her, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. I love that. She came in fear. Jesus said, go in peace. It was God's good pleasure to heal her. You know, there's a, it's interesting to me. There's a lot of people that are scared of God. And I got to say, maybe for a good reason. Maybe they've been rascals. 
You know, it's always kind of funny sometimes you talk to people. and In fact, I've seen different um, uh, t-shirts and stuff like that that actually ridicule God. You know, uh, and, and uh, uh, they make fun of God and things like that. And it's all fun until you die. <laughs> and then you find out, and you better hope you're right, that all that making fun of God is not true. Because if it is true, and you knew enough of God to make fun of him, then it's going to be a different thing. Well, you know what? This woman was in fear and trembling. She'd come up with a scheme. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, if I could just touch his clothes, I would be made well. She was made well, and then when Jesus stopped, she goes, didn't get away with it. And he said, who touched me? And this woman came forward, and he said, in fear and trembling, you should go in peace. I like that about God. Have you ever been scared to go to the Lord because of something you did? Good or bad? You know what? Because you've come to your father, your father's not going to cast you out. The, the Bible says that he will in no means, the Bible says, cast you out. Because, again, he, he, it's that relationship that he wants to have with us. So notice, he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith, your faith in God has made you well. You, you see, uh, again, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And so faith is energizing what you know about God for the desired results. Now again, what is that? Maybe it's to see your kids saved. Maybe it's to see your parents saved. Maybe it's to see maybe something in your, in your life change. Listen, God is a God of miracles and a God of faith. And I would invite you this morning, if you've not really trusted him, that you need to put into gear, just as this woman did. See, she had an idea, but then she put it into faith. You know, a lot of people have ideas, but they never do anything with the idea. And this woman had an idea and then put it into gear. Friends, again, putting it into gear sometimes, all it requires us is to get up and do something. You, you know, again, and you know what kind of happens? As we pray and we ask God for the battle plan, God gives us an instruction and, and we stand up and start going and we start getting the job done. See, faith is engaging your thoughts. And faith caused this woman to go touch the hem of his garment. Well, let's look at this. And while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, don't be afraid, only believe. And he, was permit, he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And so these, uh, then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw the tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. And when he came in, he said to them, Why, all, why make this uh, commotion and, and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn. <laughs> They laughed him to scorn. Why? Because they knew the girl was dead. She's blue. You know, I mean, I mean, you know when somebody's dead, they don't breathe, they're blue, they're dead, you know, kind of thing. And was, she had been evidently dead long enough for the mourners and the weepers to come and they began to carry on and cry and for her and all. But you know what is interesting here in verse 39? Jesus looks at situations differently than we do. You know, you might look at a situation right now, maybe financially, maybe in your home, maybe at your job. And you might be saying, I, I don't see any way this is ever going to go. It's dead. 
But you know what? God has a way of seeing things differently than we do. Thank God for his perspective. Isn't that true? You you see, before we're a Christian, the only perspective that mattered was mine. And maybe yours if I ask your opinion. And then I'll think about it. And if I ask enough people, and your opinion seems to be the best one, then I might listen to what you got to say. Isn't that the way it was? But you know, there's another perspective. When we accept Christ as our Savior, God's perspective is greater than ours, and God sees all the things at the same time. We only see one particular side, but God sees it all. The old saying, you, you, you know, you're so far into the forest, you, you, can't, you, you can't see the forest for the trees. Well, well, a lot of times we get so buried in our problems in our life, friends, that we don't see it. And our perspective then, or even others' perspectives say, it's dead. That's Pastor Mike Kessler on It's Time. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to inform you that we offer It's Time for free as a podcast download in the iTunes store. If you'd like a hard copy that you can keep and share, give us a call at 800-357-4226, and the operator can help you with that. Don't forget, It's Time to Grow. Pastor Mike's book on the Christian walk is also available completely free for you by calling that toll-free number I just mentioned. Tune in next time. For more, it's time.